Welcome to Jammin' with Jason Mefford, a show where we discuss topics relevant to chief audit executives and professionals in audit, risk, and compliance. We discuss the technical and soft skills needed to navigate the minefields of organizations. You hear best practices and practical advice for helping you advance your career, and we'll even talk about music, mindfulness, and psychology, because we can. So sit back and relax while you listen to the number one podcast in the world for internal auditors, unscripted and unedited. Welcome to another episode of Jamming with Jason. Hey, everybody. I am so thrilled to have one of my dear friends with me, and uh, it's Marty Stanley uh, that I'm going to introduce here in just a minute, but I have to tell you, she is one of my favorite people. Um, There is uh, something that she taught me several years ago called getting out of bed has been something that I wanted to share with you and I could share it, but it's better to have Marty come on and actually teach it to you because she is who I learned it from. And so I'm so excited. Marty, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's, uh, it's nice to have you here. And like I said, this is, this is going to be a good opportunity too for people to start kind of putting into practice a few of the things I've been talking about with learning because you've created this great model called get out of bed b-e-d right which actually stands for something yes so you know if you're in a place where you can pull out a piece of paper do that because as we talk through this I want you to kind of draw a picture um, so that you can understand you know, and and get this concept because this is one of the most important concepts that you can learn and actually apply in your life to make you happier. <laughs> okay, so so Marty, maybe let's start off with and just kind of give a little bit of a background because you've got a tremendous background that really has led into a lot of the work that you've done here to develop this model. So so introduce yourself. Tell everybody why you're so amazing. Besides, I already know that, but they don't know that yet. So when you say I have tremendous background, I think another way of wording that is that I've been around the block a few times. <laughs> Still 29, but you know, you've been around the block a few times, right? Yeah. So, um, so I started out my career in Green Bay, Wisconsin, working for a little company that had about 250 people. Um, and I started every human resource function, except for recruiting, um, for that company. And um, that company is now part of Humana, the small group health division. And but, but it's not a small company. Humana no. is one of the largest healthcare companies in the U.S. Right. Now, right? And during the, I was there for 11 years and um, we were bought and sold several times. It was started out in the basement of a couple of guys' homes, which that's a whole other story about entrepreneurs and working with them. But um, we were bought and sold several times. And actually, when I left the company, um, we were owned by Lincoln National at that time. Okay. But it's now part of Humana. And uh, during the time that I was there, we grew from the 250 people to 1,700 and became a nationwide billion-dollar company. And I left there, and I went to work um, for – I was uh, head of HR there in training and development in corporate wellness. Started a nationally recognized um, – number 25, actually, in the country, corporate wellness programs, way before anybody was doing corporate wellness. 
Um, but I left there and went to Kansas City and was um, became the VP of HR for Blue Cross Blue Shield. And they hired me because my previous company had taken so much business away from them. <laughs> uh, they, said, they were like, Marty, come help us. Yeah, you know something we don't know. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, and so what, what I knew in the, the um, company in Green Bay was we were really good at customer service really really good and we really focused on main street and companies that had fewer than 50 um employees but we knew our motto kind of there was we can do anything better faster and cheaper you know and we were pretty cocky uh we took the country by storm nobody saw us coming you know like this little company in green bay who are they so anyway so i went to blue cross which was like 180 degrees different from where I came from because they were pretty traditional, you know, yep. very bureaucratic and they had to reinvent themselves. So I was with them for about five years and helped them transition and start to um, become more, um, become more innovative and reinventing themselves. And along the way, this is kind of an aside on a personal note, I, um, I here I was in the position I always wanted to be in, VP of HR, big company, you know, good, yep great credentials, but I wasn't very happy. And so I started doing some really intensive growth and development work and um, continued doing very intensive work with Landmark Education for about, oh, I don't know, ended up being maybe over 10 years. But in my second course with them, um, we had to create our future 150 years out. And so it was in that course that I said, I want to have one more corporate experience and then I want to create a business or have my own business, but I want to create a process that makes a difference for people. Mm -hmm. um, because, and you probably know this from your corporate experience. Um, <laughs> I used to call it flavor of the month. <laughs> Management by magazine is what I would call it too, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, it was like, okay, now we're going to have more highly effective people. And now we're going to have, you know, Six Sigma. Now we're going to have lead management. Now we're going to have, you know, whatever the flavor was. And as the VP of HR, it always fell on my shoulders to either get it going, be the champion, and most people would roll their eyes, you know, and put their head down and think this too will pass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if I, hold, if I hold out long enough, I don't have to actually do it. Exactly. That's corporate exactly. life. Yeah. And like, let me ask you this. How, how many binders do you have of... <laughs> Of that flavor of the month. Got a whole bookshelf over here with some other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so when I was doing this exploration, I thought, you know, I want to create a process that makes a difference for people where they don't have to remember seven habits or six steps or five keys. Mm -hmm. You know, and like when you create an intention like that, most times you don't know how to do it. But what happens when you create the intention is that, and this is what happened in my case, I started reading and material that I never came across before, or meeting people who had information that I'd never heard about before. Like it was nothing that I would have seen in the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or mm -hmm. Fast Company Magazine. <laughs> it just mm -hmm. like wasn't there. And it was this, now to keep in mind, some of this stuff that I'm talking about um, is pretty mainstream now, 
but 20 yeah, but years ago. It wasn't ago, then, yeah. Yeah, 25 years ago, which was because I started this process in 96 and I went out on my own in 2000. Okay. It was not mainstream <laughs> by any means, you know? Mm -hmm. So it, uh, people thought I was pretty weird, actually, because um, I was reading stuff in quantum physics and in neuroscience and, you know. <laughs> this is one of the reasons why I love you so much. Yeah. Because <laughs> we have a lot of these side passion things that we're learning about all the time and then trying to bring it back yeah what we're doing day to day yeah exactly but back then i mean even my family thought i was nuts um but anyway so i'm sharing this because the get out of bed model came out of wanting to create an attention that makes a difference for people and I had no idea how that was going to happen. Um, and, but one other thing that was kind of interesting in that whole process was when I said I wanted one more corporate position mm -hmm. and then go out on my own, I ended up leaving Blue Cross because I had had probably 15 years in the uh, group health insurance industry just because that's where I ended up, you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. But I said I wanted to work in a fun industry. And, well, you picked and a have, fun one. <laughs> and have a product that people like. And so then I became the VP of HR for AMC Entertainment. Yep. You know, like, what's more fun than movies? And I love the movies. So I got to be with AMC when we changed the whole um, business model from multiplexes to the big megas. Mm -hmm. um, Megaplex has, you know, 14, 18, 20, 24, 30 screens. And during the time that I was there, we had to reinvent the whole, uh, all of the HR functions to meet that new business model. And we had to hire 500 plus theater managers and 2000 staff members over a three year period because the business model changed so much. But anyway, um, then I went out on my own in 2000. And by that time I gathered quite a bit of, um, just really disparate information from lots of different sources that ended up becoming the get out of bed model. Mm -hmm. So, well, and I think what you said is, <clears throat> is so important because I think, you know, there is that flavor of the month or I, I use the term, you know, management by magazine, right? The CEO gets <laughs> off the plane and whatever magazine he or she had just read. Now this is the new thing we're going to do. Right. And so a lot of times you feel like you're getting yo-yoed back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Absolutely. And that leads to a lot of people, you know, like we said before, it's this passive resistance. Like, well, if I, if I just tune it out, it's going to go away and it's I don't have to away. do it. It's going to go away because somebody's going to read some new book or see some new whatever. Right. Yeah. But I think, you know, your whole idea of your intention of trying to make a difference and make something that is simple for people yes. to follow. That's one of the reasons why I love this model so much. And, and well, you know, you're actually pointing to the beauty of it because how many years ago was it that I told you about it? Well, it's 25 years at least. No, no you came for in. you. How oh, for I me. Oh, geez, probably three, four years ago at least, right? Yeah. And again, it's any time. So, so folks that are listening, this is why we're talking about this, and we're going to go through the model. But any time I feel like I want to just literally pull the head, the covers up over my head, and stay in bed, 
I give myself a little slap and hear Marty say, get out of bed, <laughs> right? And, and that little saying of remembering get out of bed starts to recalibrate you and, and, and help you to be able to get out of that state that, I mean, as humans, honestly, we get into all the time. We go back and forth, right? Um, and, and so, and like you said, it's something that's simple, but it's very, very powerful. Um, and so, you know, I like, some of you may have heard of living above the line or below the line. Okay. This is the model kind of goes along with this as right. well that we're going to jump in. Right. So, so let's go through and start kind of talking a little bit about the model. So, like I said, if you've got a piece of paper, kind of write down, draw this picture as we're talking about it, but it's called get out of bed, B E D. So what does B E D stand for? Blame, excuses, and denial. Oh, not that I have ever been in blame, <laughs> excuse, or D. denial. <laughs> another D is drama. Oh, drama, <laughs> drama, drama, drama. That's good. That's good for TV and movies. I don't like it in my life. Though, yeah, right? but we create a lot of drama, or we we're subjected to and get sucked into a lot of drama. So that's why I added the X one. I have like. Um, denial slash drama. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think this is easy because, because again, I got reminded of this. I mean, I think it was on a previous episode here where I was talking about, you know, especially with a lot of the pandemic stuff and things that people are dealing with. A lot of people are, are dealing, in, you know, with fear and some people might even go down into a depression state you know, to where, you know, physically even sometimes people just don't want to get out of bed. Right. You know, they just feel like, I don't want to get out of bed. I'm just going to pull the covers up and I'm just going to stay here. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's one of the worst things that we can actually do, which is, you know, why I like this whole idea of, well, get out of your bed, you know, stop blaming, yeah. stop making excuses, stop having this denial or creating drama. So I, I guess, wh why did you kind of, you know, lay on those three? as as the things to remind us to stop doing um actually it was just a combination of lots of different things you know i don't know that there's anything really original out there <laughs> there, I, there there isn't <laughs> yeah you know like when you referred to above the line and below the line i'd studied that stuff too and that's there's an overlap and so i think um there's a lot of um a lot of information that is out there that is very similar um, and it's just a matter of packaging it in a way that resonates for people. Yeah. I think that's the best way I can describe this. You know, we could come up with a lot of other things. Plus I was looking for a catchy acronym, you know? <laughs> well, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very catchy acronym. And again, that's why there's so much beauty in this because, you know, as humans, we like threes. Right. It's easy for us to remember. And if we've got an acronym that can help us remember, blame, and, you know, excuse, denial, B-E-D, then it's easier for us to remember and incorporate that in. You know, and what's funny, Jason, is um, I, I've been using this model for over 20 years now, or 20, yeah, just about 20 years. And um, I've called it different things over the years, but probably around 2006 was when it became get out of bed. Mm -hmm. And um, 
things just took off as soon as I changed the name of the it. Name. Like, <laughs> and then I was getting, you know, requests to just give the get out of bed presentation. And, and of course, even if people didn't know what it meant, um, they loved the title of it and they all wanted it for somebody else. <laughs> it's like anytime I talk about emotional intelligence, it's like, would you come make my boss more emotionally intelligent? Yeah. And it's like, you got to work on you first, yeah. <laughs> right? And people don't want to hear that. Exactly. And I'll say, people will say, oh, my, my staff really needs to hear this, or my boss, or my wife, or my husband, or my kids really need to hear this. And I go, you're right. They yeah. do. You and, know? and would you be in the room too while we're talking about it? <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot of stories that I can tell you about what people have done with the get out of bed model, but... Um, do we want to talk about the model first and then? Yeah. So, so, so what I can do is so, so everybody, you know, again, if you've got a piece of paper and a, and a pencil or pen, uh, I'm going to kind of give you like the outline of it. And then we're going to fill in as we go through. So draw a line in the middle of the piece of paper with an arrow pointing up and an arrow pointing down. Okay. And we've already talked about on the downside, you know, on, on the bottom half of that page, that's where you write B, E and D, which stands for blame, excuses, and denial or drama. Okay, so when we're down in this lower part of the page, that's where you've also labeled it as victim, right? So you can also write victim down in that area because when we're in blame, when we're, you know, making excuses, when we're, you know, creating drama or denying things, we're acting like a victim. So we're, we're having that victim mentality, right? Which, you know, again, we all kind of go into there and I'm sure you've, you've seen that from lots of people over time, right? <laughs> Just like denying that, oh, my staff needs to hear this, denying yeah. that you actually are the one that need to hear it too. You know, and I just want to point out that, um, like you said, you, you got to look in the mirror first. Mm -hmm. And when I first started studying and practicing with this model, like I do a thing, I call it the um, two week challenge. And the two week challenge is to listen to yourself. Mm. Listen to the words that come out of your mouth and listen to the thoughts in your head. And are you blaming and making excuses or denying or are you creating or succumbing to drama? And like literally two week challenge, like I couldn't even get through 10 minutes, <laughs> you know, I couldn't, I mean, and even to this day, 20 years later, my automatic go-to response in my head is to blame, make excuse or deny something first. I think it's, it's a natural human tendency Yeah. for us to want and to do that. Exactly. So when everybody goes, and I've had a couple people in workshops who go like, oh, you know, that's just how I live my life. I don't blame or make excuses. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> You're human, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, who are you kidding? Talk about denial here. <laughs> well, and, and, and I think what's funny, because like what you said, it's you know, for everybody to realize, especially if you're, if you're, saying, if you're saying things like this to yourself, Oh, you know, everybody around me is blaming somebody else. I hear excuses all day, right? Yeah. Oh, these people are in denial. Remember that that what you're seeing or what's coming to you is a reflection of you. So it's as if we're holding up a mirror 
to ourselves all the time. If you're around a bunch of people that are that are in drama, it's because you're a drama queen or drama king too. You know, if and you've you got people what? that are that are denying and blaming and excuse, you know making excuses, you probably are too, right? Well, and that's what? why as you're I, seeing it. As I'm listening to you, and really listening to you describe this, it's for the first time what I heard is that in the process of saying. I, all the people around me are always complaining and making excuses. Like you're doing it. You're doing it right now. It. Yeah, you're making an excuse right now. Oh, if these people around me would just, you know, what? <laughs> I know. Like I never heard it that clearly until I heard you mimicking what people say, and in the process of verbalizing that, you're in the, you're in in the muck too being a victim of other people's blame and excuses. <laughs> well, and, and again, if you're hearing that or if you're seeing that in other people, you're probably doing it yes. as well, right? And, yes. and again, this is not, oh, you know, woe is me, right? If you're, if you're blaming people, if you're, you know, making excuses, if you're in drama or denial, that's just part of being a human. But right. the idea is to recognize it and try to get out of it. So here's, this is like a really great segue to show what the alternative is. Yep. Um, because um, you just mentioned something that I wanted to highlight. And that is, um, oh yeah. Like when you do the two week challenge, um, hopefully what you'll see is the humor of it all. <laughs> like I always say, we're kind of like Wiley Coyote on the railroad tracks, you know, like, we see we're blaming and making excuses and it's like Wiley Coyote have watching that train come right at you, you know, and he gets flattened down by the train and jumps up and is like, how did that happen? You know, and we're like that with all of our <laughs> blame and excuses. So, so if people choose to, to start listening to what are they thinking about and what are they talking about and, and, and begin to really hear the frequency with which we blame and make excuses. Hopefully you'll find it funny. I mean, it's never funny when you're in the middle of it. Like I'll be the first. No. <laughs> it's never funny then. But when you, if you can step back in that awareness thing that you just said, you know, then, um, then you can go, oh my God, you know, like this is crazy. So if I can, I'm gonna flip to show what how to get out of that yeah so what's on the top right so we showed them on the bottom is blame excuse denial you're in victim mentality right so to get above that line and we're going to tell you what that line is here in a little bit too but above the line is what it's it's another three-letter acronym it's another three-letter acronym it's o-a-r ownership accountability and responsibility mm -hmm. Ownership, yeah. accountability, and responsibility. Right. And, and then instead of um, like wherever you have victim written on the upper portion, right, victory mm -hmm. or victor. Victor, victor. <laughs> <laughs> My mind goes weird places. So yeah. everybody that's listening, right? So again, we, you, so far you built out the model. You've got blame, excuses, denial, or drama at the bottom and victim at the bottom with the arrow pointing down. On the top, you have ownership, accountability, responsibility, and victor or victory. 
Now here's a simple way for you to try to remember this, right? So if you imagine that you are in bed, right? So you're lying down in bed, you're lying down in blame, excuse, and denial, okay? So you're laying there. You flip the sheets off, you hop into a canoe, and you use your oar to paddle away from your bed, right? So there's our O-A-R, oar, and now you've got a visual image in your mind, which means your brain is actually processing that because as you do that with a picture, with some sort of visualization, you're going to remember it better. If, I'm, if you're lying in your bed and blame, excuse, and denial, and you wanna get out of it, flip the sheets off, hop into your canoe, and start paddling your oar, take ownership, accountability, and responsibility for your actions. Yep. Woo! You know what, and here's the thing too. Um, if I had um, a different title for this, like take your oar and soar, or something like that, people would be like, yeah, okay. You know, <laughs> they, they love to get out of bed. You know, people, people are afraid of taking accountability um, in many ways. Like they think it's gonna be hard. And here's what I want people to get with this model is it's harder to stay in the place of blame and excuses and denial than it is to take ownership and accountability. And I tell people, the more you take ownership and accountability for your thoughts and your words and your actions, like most of us are really good about taking accountability for our actions, or we like to think we are. Um, but once, when you dig deeper and you start to take ownership for your thoughts and your words, you become more discerning. But there's also this freedom that comes with that. There's a level of freedom that, I mean, because when you're in a state of blaming and excuses, you feel physically heavy. Like you, you can feel depressed, like you said earlier, or you can feel there's a weight um, that you carry around. But when you take ownership and accountability, and here's a distinction that's really important, is that when you're taking ownership and accountability, um, it's not about whether you're right or wrong or good or bad. That There's no judgment. When you're really taking ownership and accountability, there's no judgment there. Because if there's judgment, you're back to blaming and making excuses. Mm -hmm. well, so, and, and yeah. That's a very good distinction, right? Is that, you know, again, and, and like you said, it's, you know, we a lot of times don't want to take ownership, accountability, or responsibility because we think it's hard, right. but it's harder to stay in the blame, excuse, and denial. Yeah. Like you said, there, there is, you know, and everybody listening, you probably felt this before, you know, that as you're, as you're feeling, as you start to go down that emotional spiral, you feel the heaviness of it. And when you actually take action and do something about it, you can literally feel, physically yeah. feel even though it's just emotion and even though it's just thought, you can physically feel a difference in your body. Yes. Right. And it's yeah. in, in, in what's, you know, important too, is it's like, it's a hundred percent accountability. It's a hundred percent responsibility. It's a hundred percent accountability. And I actually just heard it was a reminder. I think Jack Canfield said it 
uh, probably in the success principles and who knows, I've listened to so much of his stuff. I don't know where it comes from, but you know, he said something to the, to the effect of with integrity and it would go along with any of these, right? Yes. hundred percent integrity is easy. 99% is a bitch, <laughs> right? Because, because if you don't, if you go in all the way, right, then you just, you get rid of all that other stuff. Right. If you're, if you're only part of the way in, then you still have that heaviness and everything else from the bed experience. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, so why do you think it is so hard for people to want to want to take that ownership, accountability, and responsibility? Well, I have lots of ideas on this one, but one of them is I think we live in a society that kind of supports the victim and the drama and, you know, real housewives and, <laughs> you know. Well, when you look at a lot of the entertainment that's out there, it does. It kind sure, of reflects, a lot of the entertainment, it? you know, that look at advertising. You know, there's usually something wrong with you, <laughs> you know. Of course, there has to be, or I can't sell you a product, right? <laughs> you know, I, and I think that there's, I think if you start listening to conversations at home, um, you start listening to advertising or reading or what are, you, what are you listening to or drawn to? And I think there's a lot of intrigue around watching somebody else's drama or watching somebody else's misfortune that makes you feel better about yourself, maybe. But, um, yeah. Who knows? But it certainly isn't inspiring. Um, it, it can be good, cheap entertainment, you know, but it, is it inspiring you to, um, I was going to say these really cheesy words. No, say, say I love cheesy. Come on. And so, you're from Wisconsin, so it's perfect, right? Yeah. So the, so the Oprah moment is, to, are you inspired to live your best life or, you know, come into your greatness? But, and I mean, that, that sounds really cheesy. But, um, but the bottom line is when you start taking ownership and accountability for your choices, and it's just a choice. And you can change your choice at any moment to either be blaming or not. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, and you can make that shift in a, in a moment's notice. You know, I've had clients where they would be going down. And I remember this one guy, he was with the staff and he was always making excuses and blaming other people. And he started to practice using this model and with his staff. I mean, his staff used to complain to me all the time about how horrible he was. And um, when he started practicing taking ownership and accountability, I remember distinctly that there was a time that he was in a staff meeting, went down the rabbit hole of blame. And he stopped himself and he said to his staff, I, I want to rephrase that. Give me a minute. And then he rephrased it to take ownership and accountability and their jaws just dropped. <laughs> you know? but they also knew what he was working on. So they were very supportive of that. And the more, and he had the freedom with his team to do that because they knew that he wanted to stop that process. But um, does that make sense? I mean, no, it does. Well, and I think it's also, it's another great point to emphasize here is, you know, that, th that leader was aware, yes. right? So again, he was working on 
trying to get out of, you know, that victim mentality. And, you know, any, any of us that are trying to do this, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to go back down there from time to time, but it's the awareness, uh, you know, of, of coming back and trying to do it right. Cause it takes, it takes practice. It takes repetition. I mean, hell we, we spent, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> decades of our life, probably playing a victim. Yes. So it's going to take a little bit of time for us to be the hero or heroine, right? I mean, it, 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 it takes work and effort for us to get there. We're going to slip so, back, but you just keep moving forward. You just reminded me of about six things, and i got to figure out which one I want to <laughs> first. Um, you know, but think about, and you're absolutely right, you know, we're surrounded by a lot of victims, but think about who do you like to spend time with? Who do you feel good hanging out with? And my guess is there are probably people who aren't in that victim blame excuses mode. And what I've also found is that when people start shifting, when they see in themselves how much of a victim they are and they want to make a different choice, that sometimes their friendships change. Mm -hmm. Because you might have friendships that are bonded based on those wounds or those hurts or those, you know, the complaints. And when you stop complaining, then they don't have a compatriot anymore. And so I've known and I've experienced it myself where when I stop complaining about something, there are people who don't want to, they don't like me for not <laughs> getting on their bandwagon. But um, there's one other thing before we, I don't want to lose this thought. And this is really, really important. Because when we find ourselves in, and I'm including myself, because I have to do this all the time. When I find myself blaming or making excuses, and I'm really aware of it, sometimes I want to stay there for a little bit, have a little pity party, you know? <laughs> well, you're allowed five minutes, right? Five minute pity party, I, and then I you got to move on. I say no more than two minutes. Oh, you say two minutes. Okay. I've yeah. heard five minute pity party. But yeah, keep it, keep it short. <laughs> yeah. And even, even then sometimes, I mean, because then you're just repeating. Yeah. You know, but anyway, here's, here's the magic question to ask. Okay. So you guys listening, this, you're going to want to write this down because when you find yourself blaming and making excuses and you want to stop it, here's what you do. You ask yourself, In this situation or in these circumstances, what can I take ownership or accountability for in being part of or creating this situation? Let me, I'll word that again. If you're in the muck um, and you're feeling like a victim, ask yourself, where can I take ownership or accountability or responsibility for being in this situation or circumstance? And I guarantee you, I guarantee you that when you shift the narrative around that, you're going to feel like, 
fucking like wily e. coyote <laughs> <laughs> here comes the train yeah and you're gonna go it's like that v8 you know like hit your hit your head you know with your fist you know it's like oh my god how did i not see that yeah and I can remember, and I'll just give you a real quick example that I experienced just a couple years ago, and I won't go into all the details of it, but I didn't feel that I was being recognized for work that a team that I'd created, we had created some really great stuff, and I didn't feel that we were properly recognized and appreciated for what we did. And it was a pretty public forum, and I was I was really ticked off. And it wasn't for me, but it was for the team and what the team had done. And we didn't get the acknowledgement that we wanted. And um, I had, I mean, I was blaming and making excuses and complaining, and I was really, really <laughs> verbal about it. <laughs> I've never seen you like that. <laughs> oh, I, I'll, yeah, I'll tell you more later. <laughs> It was nasty. But anyway, I had to, I thought, well, what would I say to a client or what would I say to somebody who says, how do I, how do I stop this? Like I was like livid. All right. And I decided to take my own medicine, which is, well, what can I say or do to take ownership and accountability for being in this circumstance or situation? And what I came up with, Jason, this this just blew me away when I asked that question. My, what I could take ownership for was that nobody asked us to do that work that we did. Mm. We did it because we wanted to. We, we did it because it brought us joy, it gave us satisfaction, it made a difference, but nobody asked us to do that. And once that gave me so much freedom because I'm like, I'm asking, I want them to be recognizing us for something that they never really even care about. Mm -hmm. But, and again, taking ownership that this brought us joy. It brought us together feeling like we were making a difference. And it doesn't make any difference about all the other people. We did it because we wanted to. Well, and that's ultimately the important thing, right? I mean, that gives you kind of that perspective check of, well, hold it we accomplished what we needed to, we don't need outside, you know, accolades from other people. Right. We got the benefit, we got the joy from actually doing it. And so there's really no reason to go down that rabbit hole yeah. because and the people we don't need it. The people who benefited from it were like, oh my God, this is amazing. You mm -hmm. know? So like, yeah, we just had to shift the lens on that one. And really, by taking ownership and accountability, um, I felt so much freer and joyous mm -hmm. that, um, so all the people who go, oh, it's really hard to take ownership and accountability. No, it's hard to keep staying in that state of being a victim. And um, once you can make that switch, it really is liberating. Well, I think, like you said, that magic question, you know, because anytime that we find ourselves in that situation, if we ask, what can I take ownership or accountability or responsibility for in this situation that I'm in? And if you ask yourself that question, honestly, there will be something that comes up, right? Because even in little 
little conversations or other stuff, you know, with, with significant others or family or friends, right? All of a sudden you find yourself in a situation maybe where somebody's responding to you in a tone of voice that maybe you'd prefer that they not be talking in, right? <clears throat> and, and, you know, our first instinct is to say, oh, you know, Marty, why are you talking to me that way? But if we actually stop and think about it, it's like, oh, well, hold it. 10 minutes ago, I said something that probably pissed Marty off. It wasn't intended. Maybe it wasn't my intention to do that, but hold it. Maybe I helped put her in that place yep. to where now she's responding to me that way. There's our mirror again, folks, right? Exactly. I hate that mirror. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, here's one. And this is something that a lot of people can relate to. And it's like, I'm just talking everyday kind of crap here. But, you know, like a lot of times when it comes to family gatherings or, you know, holidays and and I've frequently heard, usually it comes from women, but um, <laughs> men have their own version of some of this stuff. But, but women will say, you know, like, it's always up to me, you know, like nobody, I never get help. I always end up being the one who plans it and I've got to make all the food and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And um, so when we ask the question of what can you take ownership or accountability for in this situation, what usually comes out is that they never ask for help. Mm -hmm. Well, and that, that actually, it's, it's kind of a silly story, but it was one that really stuck with me. It was some friends that we had many years ago, and it was kind of like a couple's training, right? It wasn't counseling, but it was kind of like, you know, how to, how to, how to work better with your significant other. Right. And I, and I remember this story that, that, um, cause it was, it was that kind of situation. The wife was saying, you know, my husband never helps me load the dishwasher. He never does the dishes. And this was, this was bothering her. Right. right? And so she actually expressed that and, and, you know, started kind of talking about it and turned to the husband. The husband said, well, don't you remember right after we got married, I was helping you load the dishwasher and you told me I was doing it wrong and you took over and did it the way you wanted to do it. So for 20 years, <laughs> right, he, yeah. he, he was sitting in the place of she has a particular way of loading the dishwasher. It's what she wants to do. I'm not going to, you know, have an argument about, oh, you know, you put the plate in wrong or whatever. And so he just never did it. And so again, when she kind of stopped and could take, you know, ownership and accountability for it and realize, oh, geez, you know, something that I did 20 years ago right. has really kind of led to this situation that I'm in now. You know, my husband's not over there thinking, oh, you know, she can just do it because she's the woman. It's not that. It's I, I'd, I'd help, but I'm probably going to do it wrong. So I'm just going to let her do it because I think that's what she would prefer anyway. And maybe he's not even <clears> thinking about it. Oh, he's not, he, he wasn't anymore. Yeah. Right. Cause that's why when she said it, he's kind of like, what? And then he's like, yeah. Hold it. uh, well, this is why I don't do it. Right. I mean, he didn't consciously think about it. Right. Um, but it's, you know, again, there's some of those everyday things that, that come up. And again, we all have some part in the situation that we're in. So I'm going to share one thing that when I'm giving presentations or doing coaching around this, um, and, like people get really ticked off with me when I say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. And you're a good coach. 
<laughs> so here's the deal. Um, you don't have to take ownership and accountability for anything ever again if you don't want to. You really don't. And I want, and I, and people like, particularly the bosses, like when I'm in a group team building session, the bosses are blanche, you know. But, but here's the deal. And you really don't have to take ownership or accountability if you don't want to. And if you choose not to take ownership or accountability, you give up your right to complain mm -hmm. or gossip. Like you have no, you have no standing or credibility to blame, make excuses, add to the drama. If you choose, if you choose not to take ownership or accountability for your contribution to the situation. So, um, yeah, it's just a choice. Mm -hmm. You know, and we don't have to make a lot of drama out of it. <laughs> you know? We want to stay away from the drama, right? Right, right. Well, which kind of leads us to there. There's one other part of the model that we haven't given them yet. Oh yeah, yeah. And then, and then we need to kind of probably wrap up just just for time. But you know what it takes to go from victim to victor, right? Because again, we've talked about you know victor. You you're taking ownership, accountability, responsibility. If you're still playing victim, you're blaming making excuses in denial or drama. So what is it that takes that, that it takes to get over that line, get up to Victor state if you find yourself, you know, playing a victim? Do you want to tell them what word to put on the line? Uh, the word on the line is courage. All right, you get that courage. So what does it take to go from being a victim to a victor? It takes courage. Did I ever tell you how that word got there? No, actually you didn't. This is, okay. this is good. Tell me, tell me, tell me. <laughs> so there's, courage is there for a very specific reason. So if you're looking at your piece of paper, and by the way, Jason's going to give you a place where you can get a copy of this model. It'll be in the notes and we'll tell you later. But um, so above the line, you have a line across the page, and then above it, you have ownership, accountability, responsibility. Then there's a line and you wrote courage on the line, and below that is blame, excuses, and denial. Now, courage was, um, and I didn't add that word on there for quite a while. Um, I probably was using the model for a couple of years, but one of the, I talked about it, but I never put it on the model. When I was doing all my research way back when, when I was creating my intention of a model that would make a difference for people, I came across a study um, that was done at the University of Arizona. And it was a 30 year study. And it was um, using applied kinesiology to measure um, emotions and the impact of emotions on a person's body and over the course of 30 years um, they used like i said applied kinesiology muscle testing and they would test people on various emotions and what and i have a book it's called power versus force if anybody's interested but um what they found was that negative emotions, which would be below the line where there's blame, excuses, and denial, negative emotions like anger, resentment, fear, frustration, shame, can negatively impact your body if you hold on to those emotions for long periods of time. Mm -hmm. um, shame being the worst, 
Okay, and you go up the ladder. Now, if they looked at the positive emotions, that would be like above the line, would be things like love, joy, gratitude, compassion. That when people experience those emotions over consistent periods of time, their bodies were healthier. And what I found really fascinating was the dividing line between the negative impact on your body and the positive impact on your body was the word courage. Oh, interesting. Isn't that interesting? So, and you know, when you think about it, it doesn't take any courage to blame or make excuses. No. It doesn't take any courage to be in the middle of a drama or, but it does take owner, it does take courage to take ownership for your thoughts and words and actions. It does take courage to be um, accountable for your choices. Mm -hmm. And so that's how the word courage ended up there. Well, I think it's interesting too, because, you know, there's, there's been a lot more <clears throat> in the last 20 years you know, especially 10, 10 years about these topics. Cause like you said, when you started talking about this back in the, you know, yeah. late eighties, early nineties, nobody was talking about this stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's become much more mainstream now and courage is it's, it's interesting that it was in that middle divider line because courage is the point too, when you start to take action, Yes. right? It takes courage or requires courage to take action and and you really have to take action or have the courage to make the different choice to take the different action to think the different thought if you want to move up that scale yeah as well right and so again for people that are familiar like with the emotional upward downward spiral this all lines in well with this get out of bed that we're talking about too when you think sure. about negative emotions versus positive emotions you know it comes down to i mean it really is just choice now, obviously, people who deal with, you know, clinical depression or, you know, things like that, that's, a di I'm not qualified to address that. I'm, but what I am saying is people who have the capacity to choose, to really choose their thoughts and emotions, you get to choose what emotion, you get to choose what you think about, how you think about it, and how long you think about it. And if you choose to stay in the stew, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, in that muck, um, it's going to weigh you down. Um, so it's about choosing, making a choice. And some, according to the um, quantum physics and neuroscience, they say if you hold a thought for like 17, 16, 17 seconds or more, whatever's on that vibrational frequency will come back to you. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, how long, how long do you want to be in the muck? And, and do you really want to be happy? Well, and I think there, there's, a, there's another practical tip. You know, again, like you said, we've, you know, for those of you that have been taking notes, you've kind of got a, a page of notes in front of you. But like we said, well, in the show notes, we'll, we'll, we'll get a way for you to be able to get a picture of this, uh, you know, your own copy of that. But, uh, you know, this, this last tip that you brought up, too, is great because, again, some sometimes when we're in these negative feelings we think we feel like we're never going to get out but the reality is and the research shows like you said it's 16 to 17 seconds of holding a particular thought starts to actually change the way you feel so so if you're feeling bad 
It's not like you have to just do all these different things. It's like 20 seconds, folks. Can you do it for 20 <laughs> yeah. seconds? Because if you can do it for 20 seconds, it's, it's, it's going to help you get past it. So right? like, this, tell, it goes back to the way the brain works. So I'll tell people, when people go, how do I stop it? I'll say, like, take a mental trip 20 seconds to the beach or to the mountains, or think about holding your kid or your grandkid, you know, and the joy that that brings you. Just, just choose that for, you know, 20 seconds and that'll shift everything. Um, can I tell one quick story before we wrap of up? Of course. Okay, so uh, we've talked about the power of this model and the difference it can make for people. and. I got to see it firsthand. It was really interesting because the first time I I was speaking at a company, I think it was probably around 2003 or 2004, and I shared you know the get out of bed model with them, and um, they invited me back about five years later, and I changed the way the model looked. The visual of it was a little bit different, but there was a woman sitting in the front row. And she looked at me and she, actually she came up to me at the end, she goes, I'm sure you don't remember me from five years ago. But she said, when you were here five years ago, I was a single mom, new, single, she'd recently been divorced. She said, I had two kids who were preteens. Mm -hmm. um, and she said, I was scared to death about how am I gonna raise these kids on my own? And she said, I took the get out of bed model. And she said, I put it on the refrigerator. And she said, I had it in various places around the house. But she said, I raised my kids on taking ownership and accountability and responsibility for their choices. And she said, and they held me accountable for my choices. And she said, I want you to know, and I get teary thinking about this because she said, I want you to know they're in college now. And they're really great kids. And I'm like, holy smokes. I mean, she said, I never could have raised these kids without this mom. Because it took all the drama away from things. And she really, I thought, how cool is that? You know, isn't that a great story? Well, it's a great story. And it, and it shows, again, the power of a simple model. Right. That when you actually just remember it, and and take the action have the courage to yeah. think a different thought take a different action make a different choice even if it's only for 20 seconds you can do it for 20 seconds and if you do it for 20 seconds over and over again it's it's like you're mentally working out just like you're pumping iron in the gym yeah. and the more you do it the easier it gets um, hopefully you know there's one other story that um I mean, I've got, after 20 years, I get to hear a lot of great <laughs> stories, lots of stories. <laughs> that people share with me. And some of them, it's like, I can't believe they didn't even tell me this. But I mean, like woman who changed everything and got married and created this. Whole, but anyway, one that really touched my heart, and I, I cry thinking about it too, was um, I was working with um, the U.S. Tennis Association. Mm -hmm. And I was doing a workshop for their volunteer leaders, okay? So they're here for this conference for volunteer leaders for tennis, you know, it was like a 11 state region. Anyway, this one, I did the get out of bed presentation and this woman came up to me at the end and she was sobbing. 
And I said, what's, what's going on? She said, you know, she said, um, my mom has Alzheimer's. And she said, um, I have like five brothers and sisters, but nobody stepped up to the plate to take care of my mom. She said, I had a really great job and was really, you know, pretty independent. And I was the only one that stepped up and said, I'll take care of mom. And she said, I've been angry and resentful about my brothers and sisters not stepping up and having me to change my own whole life. And she looked at me and she said, but hearing this, she said, I realized I'm the right one. Hmm. I'm the one. And she said, I have, she said, I have so much more freedom now that this was my choice. Hmm. And I thought, oh my God, the difference that it's going to make for the care that she gives her mom and her relationship with her siblings. Just in that one moment of realizing that that was a choice that she made because she wanted to, it's going to change everything. Like, isn't that gorgeous? Well, it is because it's, it's again, it's that, that perspective shift yes. that I think we mentioned earlier on and to realize that, you know, we're exactly where we are because of the choices that we've made. Yeah. And, and so again, we can be grateful for that. Or again, if maybe it's not where we want to be, then it's time to start making some different choices and have the courage to do that. But like you said, it's a beautiful story because again, it's what she wanted to do. It's what she needed to do. It's what her mother needed and her accepting that that is her conscious choice that she's making again, sets her free from all of those negative feelings. Like, yeah, I mean, so I hope the people who are listening to this um, really get the power. You have more power when you take ownership and accountability. So all these people who want control, <laughs> who want control and power, I say, just take accountability. You've got it. <laughs> and then that's where the power comes from. Ultimately. It is, you know, like we, it's, it's kind of like an oxymoron in our brains. You know, we don't think that we're going to get power through accountability. We think it's through control and domination, but it's not. It's the power comes from true accountability without judgment and making clear choices. So it's, I think it's really exciting. I think it's liberating and I wish I remembered it more often. <laughs> Well, that's why I'm talking about it. That's why I'm recording it so people can can hear this over and over again. Uh, because again, like I said at the top, so everybody who's still listening now, it's um, I told you this is probably one of, you know, this model will serve you better than a lot of other things that are out there. Don't worry about the flavor of the month. Focus on fundamentals that are sound. And this is easy. Right. So again, if you ever feel like you're lying in bed and you want to pull the covers up over your head, hey, that rhymes by the way, too, right? <laughs> Throw the covers off, hop in your canoe, and start using your oar to paddle away courageously and make some different choices. Right. And again, if you remember that little visual, it's going to remind you get out of bed, get out of blame, excuse, denial, and drama and instead take ownership, accountability, and responsibility for your life, and it, you're gonna get to where you wanna go. You just gotta paddle the canoe, folks. Use your oar, paddle the canoe, and it'll take you where you wanna go. Yep. 
Marty, Marty, Marty. Thank you. Jason, this has been so much fun for me <laughs> to hear this with you and to hear to hear your perspectives and um, you've added so much to to the concept that really helped it come alive even more. So thank you. Well, I hope so. And you're very welcome. And thank you for sharing it with me. So um, I know some of the people probably want to want to try to get this. So how how is the best way for people to contact you? We'll make sure and leave it in the show notes. But how's the best okay. way for people to contact you? So there can be three ways. Um, one is if you want to text me, you can text me at um, area code 858-432-4444. That's one way. You can send me an email and it's Marty Stanley, M-A-R-T-Y-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y at alteringoutcomes.com. A-L-T-E-R-I-N-G-O-E-T-C-O-M-E-S.com. And you can go to my website, which is alteringoutcomes.com. And I think you're going to put in the notes my LinkedIn profile. Yeah, we'll put your LinkedIn profile in there as well. So if people want to connect with you on LinkedIn, that's another way. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, if you're interested, I mean, she has a great graphic that I've got in front of me that I've actually uh, been carrying around. It's in my little special binder. Of is it really? Things. It is. I'm serious. That's why it's like in the in the little plastic <laughs> cover and everything of things that I refer back to. I'm a big nerd, guys. Okay. Um, <laughs> But, you know, again, so if you're interested in getting that, reach out to Marty. She's happy to share. Because, again, you know, when she, when she started thinking about this, folks, 20, 25 years ago, if you remember, she wanted to have a, make a process that actually makes a difference in people's lives, right? And you know, you, there was one you've other, done it, Marty. <laughs> thank you. There was one other piece of that that I didn't say. Yeah. When I created that intention, I want to create a process that makes a difference for people. I said, I want to impact millions of people. Mm. Well, so, I'm, going to keep, I'm going to keep preaching this to try to help have millions of people impacted by it. Because I think it's, it's fabulous and it's a really simple way for people to get started. You can, you can jump into and read all the other stuff that you and I have done. But this is a simple way to start, folks. And again, 20 seconds. You can do 20 seconds, you know, and it'll start getting you out of bed and getting you to exactly where you want to and be victorious in your life. Marty, thank you again. Thank you. It's just been a blast. Well, and I appreciate you being here. And for everybody that's listening, we'll catch you on the next episode of Jamming with Jason. See you later. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Jamming with Jason. Keep on rocking in the audit world. Have a great rest of your day, and I'll catch you later on the next show. If you'd like to earn continuing professional education for listening to today's episode, head on over to C-Risk Academy at ondemand.criskacademy.com. And that's C as in the letter C, riskacademy.com. Not only do you get a CPE certificate, but you also will have access to the video version of today's show. The views and opinions expressed on this show 
are that of the individuals and not of their respective organizations.